Okay, Brady Shea is going to score a goal, or I am actually going to lick a ranger. It's a lot harder to identify an angel, that's because that's the, the spiritual world. But it's oh. much easier to quantify the data of someone who's a warrior because they've seen war. But they're the just like, by the way, the dog is kind of dangerous. Here's, here's your children, unsupervised children, here's some pennies. And I'm the allowed the dog to, to roll. The dog will roam free. Yeah. Best of luck. Remember to cover your neck and throat if you get knocked down. Like your carotid artery above all else. There's a predator who will have an instinct. Um, yeah. Well, hello there. It's a Monday. We don't normally do shows on Monday, but we just could not help ourselves because there was some big news. It's not official yet, but by the time you listen to this, it may be official. David Quinn, expected to be named the next head coach of the New York Rangers, a five-year deal in the neighborhood of $2.5 million a year. Um, I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Michael Murphy, who has, uh, he also has thoughts on David Quinn. But Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. It's Monday. It's during the daytime we're recording. I know, it's during the daytime I have today. My daughter was baptized yesterday, so oh. I uh, took the day off today to help clean up and uh, help get everybody back home, and instead I'm podcasting, was so she like for you guys. Was she slam Patreon. dunked? Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Panther. Uh, she was not slam dunked. They just pour water over the head with like a little a little basin. On Reddit, That's I've seen some, some babies get slam dunked. Oh, some, some babies get like thrown down. Yeah. It's, it's intense. Like, it's a little yeah. much. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I hear, anywho, I hear Stanley yeah. in the background. I think he's just walking. He's upstairs, even not even here. He's just walking upstairs. He's a very loud walker. Um, you know who else is a loud walker? Maybe I don't know. David Quinn, apparently being hired by the New York Rangers. Jeff Gordon is flying back from Denmark for the World Championship, which uh, Sweden got a little Elias and a little Zabanajad action there. They took gold. Kind of cool for them. Elias Anderson's got the gold medal in his mouth and made a comment about how he was definitely not throwing that one away. That was pretty awesome. So And Crides and Pionk take bronze with USA. Yeah, Crider, Crider was the hero of the game in the bronze medal. Two gold two games. Yeah, you get a great game. Would you, would you rather win the gold medal in the World Juniors or the World Championship? I think World Championship. Uh, see, I think World Championship too, but you know what? But when there's you're something a kid, about the World Juniors. The, yeah, there's something yeah. about the World Juniors. But think about how awesome it is that he gets to compete in both of them. Yeah, and there's also the uh, at the Worlds, like the World Championship. Like right now, you know, it's not a completely level playing field because some nations are missing some of their best guys. Whereas right. in World Juniors, you know, it's all the best babies that you're playing against. Right, but the best the best babies that you could possibly find are all, all there. the best babies. All the best babies. Um, and yeah, I think Sweden, as a like, you are contractually obligated to destroy your goaltender if you win the world championship. William Nylander last year just crushing Henrik Lundqvist, just absolutely demolishing him. Um, Regicide. And then this year, the goalie was just, he was attacked. Yeah, I think Anders Nilsson, right? Yeah, he got. Yeah, he got ruined. Anderson, by the way, he had a uh, a goal and an assist in his ten World Championship games. So, not as good as his showing in the World Juniors, but certainly for he's playing against what, a nineteen men, that's not a yeah, it's not a bad showing at all. And he's got a gold medal, so there you go. 
Kreider, 10 um, points in 10 games with USA. I know, and Zibanejad was, was out of his head, too. You I see, Pionk had two goals. Really? I think so, yeah. Oh, I'm telling you, man, we uh, we got we got someone there. Speaking of Pionk, Joe, he played NCAA college hockey. Of course he did. And some, of course he did. Something we've heard a lot and about. Something happened, if I can remember, with the NCAA. I just don't remember what it is. Yeah. Oh, that's right. The yeah. Rangers hired David Quinn. And the Rangers, as Brooksy pointed uh, out, the Rangers have, what is it, like 10 guys on the roster who played NCAA hockey. So, I mean, that's that's an interesting little tidbit. But we've had, you've you've talked to two different people. I've talked to one one peoples about this. News. Well, we've talked to the same person, and then I yeah. spoke to, um, yeah, Jeff Cox on on my own. But what uh, after after all your talking, how do you feel? How do you feel about about David Quinn, Medicine Man? Well, we should we should answer that question after you because we then the, then the, yeah then the viewers have also heard our spectacular interviews. Okay. Um, t- I told you to turn the phone off. I forgot. Go. Yeah, you forgot, and now the podcast is completely ruined. Um, uh, here's what I will. Here's what we can do before we get into the the interviews. Um, we interviewed uh, Jake Reiser from Stanley Cup of Chowder. He went to BU for his undergrad and has stayed in close contact with the team. We also interviewed Jeff Cox, who writes for the New England Hockey Journal, and was actually the guy who broke the news that the Rangers were hiring Quinn. Um, we can get into thoughts about the interviews afterwards because, like I said, I want you guys to hear the interviews before we make our final judgments, if you will. But let's talk preliminarily. Um, there was a lot of discussion, and we fueled a good amount of it about uh, wanting Sheldon Keefe to be the head coach of the New York Rangers. Now it seems as though Keefe was never really considered. Um, we had heard that that was maybe the case in the beginning of the of the off season, but it seems to be the case. The Rangers didn't even interview him. They didn't wait to interview him. It, it doesn't seem like he was ever a serious candidate. Um, Montgomery was interviewed. The Rangers obviously didn't pull the trigger there, and if reports can be believed, the Rangers sweetened the pot twice to get David Quinn. So I think if they really wanted Montgomery, they could have gotten him. Uh, This really feels like this was the hire from the very beginning. And I'm just curious, Mike, what your thoughts are on the Rangers going in this direction for a guy who we can say maybe has a little bit of a track record of underperforming, um, an unbelievable talent at recruiting. He is very, very experienced with developing young talent, the guy who has played youth over veterans before, all the things that you want to hear. Um, Maybe the X's and O's really aren't there as much as they could be. We can get into that later. But just initial thoughts on Quinn being the guy for the Rangers. I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, The general, like, from all the news we've been getting, it seems like it was, you know, they wanted Quinn or Montgomery. That seemed like that was the the objective here, which tells us they were definitely interested in a guy with who's kind of, you know, cut his teeth in the NCAA as a coach. And, you know, Quinn has one season of NHL experience uh, as an assistant coach with Colorado. So, you know, he's been on the big stage before, but this is a pretty, it's a pretty unique scenario for him it's a situation with the the spotlight of playing in new york you know we've heard 
that he's, you know, he's a guy who's very confident. He has some swagger about him. Um, but, you know, we've also heard, you know, from from all accounts, Joe, he's a player's coach, right? That's the, he he works with, with guys and tries to just, you know, milk them, get the very best he can out of them. Uh, sometimes it's milk. Other times, I don't know. But the thing that I... Sometimes it's hockey. Sometimes it's hockey. Sometimes it's milk. The thing I... The, my biggest takeaway with Quinn is how often we've heard this this phrase just over and over again the the assistants his assistant coaches are really going to be important it's going to it's going to be a big deal what happens here and that yeah that's a whole can of worms to me that's 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 a big asterisk attached to a guy who from all accounts is signing i mean it's all it's all dolan's money you know it's it's fine but sure a five year investment um, you know, in the neighborhood of 2.4, 2.5 million a year, it's, uh, I mean, they must, they must really feel like they, they knew what they're getting into here. Well, see, that doesn't bother me at all because it, it, like you said, it's Dolan's money. If it doesn't go against the cap, I could care less what they do. If they want to give him a Babcock contract, that doesn't, it doesn't bother me because it doesn't mean anything. The, the punishment for that type of a, a contract is on the owner, right? And the owner's money. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with the cap hip. The Rangers aren't any worse because they're paying Vigneault this year to not coach. Yeah, and the Rangers um, aren't Dolan a team. Dolan has more money than he knows what to do with. It, yeah. it doesn't, it's not like this is you know the Panthers or the Senators or a team that's maybe not making as much money and doesn't want to make that type of a financial investment in a guy because they don't know if they're going to be able to to handle the buyout if they need to get there. And, and let's hope we obviously don't get to this point with Quinn. Let's hope Quinn wins five Stanley Cups in the five years he's in New York and, uh, you know, and everything is honky-dory. I mean, something I asked Jeff, and I don't want to give too much away, but David Quinn came a – I think we asked Jake this too. He came a goal – like a fluke of fluke goals away from winning the national championship um, in 2015. And I really do wonder if he wins that game, if this, hey, you know, he's underwhelmed at Boston University with the talent he's had. You know, there hasn't been enough behind him. He's a great recruiter, but the X's and O's aren't there. I wonder if all of that disappears. And I wonder if if Montgomery doesn't win his national championship in 2017 with Denver, that the roles aren't reversed. Montgomery's this great recruiter who just never got over the hump, and Quinn is the you know proven winner. I'm, I'm I won't give away what they said, but um, the answers are, are are interesting to that. Um, I guess I have to say I'm a little surprised the Rangers didn't go after uh, Keefe or at least speak to Keefe. Um, I really did think he's a good fit, but he's a guy who had a, a pretty serious past. It's a lot to get into on the podcast. I'll I'll point you in the direction of the story we did with Scott Wheeler where I, I kind of linked to um, – Keith, there was an article on ESPN that kind of ran through everything, but I think it's pretty clear the Rangers didn't think he would fit in New York because all the hockey stuff made sense, or maybe the Rangers just didn't like him. I don't know. Um, but we're, we are hearing some really good things about Quinn, too. Great at player development, like Mike said, a player's coach, somebody who has a little bit more of a firmer grasp on the room, but a guy who knows that he has to let the players be creative to create offense and not a guy who's just doling out healthy scratches and whatnot. But a really interesting thing that I think we're all forgetting is that David Quinn was the mastermind behind the defense that did win the national championship in 2009 at Boston University, where he was an assistant coach. 
Um, he's an assistant coach for one year in the, with the Avalanche as well before coming back over to the uh, NCAA ranks with BU. I'm just curious, Mike, what you think about those aspects of things, that you do have a guy who, who has been successful with this university, and there is experience here. Yeah, the it's a it's not something you would maybe suspect or you know believe, but it's it's not that common for coaches to make the jump from the NCAA to the NHL. It's happened just a handful of times, really. And you know, Hackstall uh, from North Dakota to the Flyers is the most recent case. Um, and obviously, you know, Montgomery into Dallas uh, is really the most recent. But in terms of guys who you know have a season under their belt, um, but the I don't know. I I I just haven't. You know, I don't follow NCAA hockey closely enough to really have a strong opinion either way. Because you know, I'm I'm just you know I'm this is not my this is not my area of like experience and I you know I was going to say expertise but I don't consider myself an expert in anything but I I look to I I look to Quinn as like this is a guy who it's very clear with all this talk we've heard of character we want you know character players we want you know leadership stuff this is a guy who who they're bringing in because of more because of his personality and his ability to connect with players, his ability to work with players, than his ability to say, like, all right, I need to match this guy against Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby. Um, and that's fine, because that's the impression that we are getting here from the message that, you know, Gorton and, and Sather wrote to fans with, you know, this is a team going in a different direction, you know, a younger team, and, and yada 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 all of that and I, I want I want very much to like what happens next because as, as I mentioned before so much of this depends on who the hell ends up as the assistant coaches but as Brooks pointed out in his piece uh, I think it was today if not today it was yesterday that the Rangers really put themselves in a real pickle here because they held on to Ken Jernander too long. And so they didn't have anyone internally that they felt comfortable moving into a role for to succeed Vigneault. And that's, you know, it's it's not unusual to, uh, when you're finding a new head coach to, to think outside the box, to look at coaches who are looking for jobs and, you know, not necessarily turn to the guys who are on your farm team. But for th- it gets a lot more important and like it becomes a lot more apparent how much of a mistake that was when it comes to filling these roles for assistance and I talked to you just before we started recording the show Joe of how now the Rangers have to try and find guys who compliment Quinn and like you said you know he has experience you know he's he built a great defense before you know he he's done some very encouraging and promising things but we keep hearing that a lot of this hinges on the assistants and now the Rangers have to try and find like a, an established experienced guy who's X's and O's who can work with Quinn, you know, and maybe handle uh, more of a workload than most assistants, you know, or associate coaches might normally do. And on top of that, you have the question of finding guys who, who click with them because, you know, as Brooks pointed out, 
it's not unusual, especially when you make an investment like this in someone where they have kind of a say of like, yeah, I want to work with this guy. I've worked with him before. You know, I have a personal connection there. And, you know, like like we saw with uh, AV and his coaching staff, just like, yeah, these are the guys I want around me. Well, I wanted to talk about this, too, especially before we get into the interviews, because it, it wasn't something that we asked them about because it's more of a New York Rangers central idea. But like this hiring is a million times better than, say, a Barry Trotz, right? Or another retreat head coach who maybe just needs a change of scenery. And this really represents the New York Rangers, even with Quinn's shortcomings, moving in a completely different direction and a very needed direction. This is a new voice behind the bench. Like Mike said, there's not a ton of NCAA um, jumps right into the NHL. Um, and we are seeing the New York Rangers move this team in a direction that is becoming Gordon's team. I, I think you can certainly be underwhelmed with the Quinn hiring in terms of the other guys that were on the table. I don't think you could be absolutely furious with the Quinn hiring. I don't think there's anything in this that, that would make you upset. What Hard coach to have doesn't strong have emotions, some type yeah. of... Of course it does. But, but what coach doesn't have some type of a shortfall? You know? So I just think that if you want to be underwhelmed, if you thought Keefe was better, great, fine. I thought Keefe was a better fit myself. But if the Rangers don't love what happened off the ice if Keith being a hothead might be something the Rangers don't want in the room especially coming after Vigneault you need to respect that decision and there is logic there like I've said for the entirety of this podcast and really for the past three years about AV I don't need him to make decisions that I agree with that doesn't bother me I'm not a head coach in the NHL I'm not a general manager in the NHL but what I do want is to be able to follow the path of logic, right? I want to be able to see what they're thinking. And I can see that with the Quinn hiring. I don't I don't see any reason you should not be optimistic about this. You want to throw your hat into the ring of, oh, he, he underwhelmed with BU. I'm telling you, they're a fluke goal away from you never even having that come into your head, ever. So you need to take the good and the bad. I, I think the big question and something that I asked Jeff David Quinn is an excellent recruiter. Is he a, an excellent recruiter and a good developer? Or is he, you know, an excellent developer and a good recruiter? Because they are two very different things. And, um, yeah, I think you guys will be interested. So without further ado, let's get into our, our first interview with Jake Reiser um, from Stanley Cup of Chowder. And uh, we'll see what he has to say. And hello, we are joined right now by Jake Reiser, who uh, spent some time at Boston University and uh, watched the men's team closely. He was also a uh, beat reporter for BU for two years for WTBU. Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Well, thank you for coming on. Especially WTBU. Such, such what does news. WTBU stand for? WT, we call it silent, but it's BU, the voice of Boston University. Uh, yeah, you, didn't, you didn't get that from the call letters? No. All right, well, I, I, I'm in TV sales, so call letters are my life, and everybody has you like, oh, KCWE or something like that. Could have meant anything. I mean, right, we're already wildly off topic. Um, okay, so uh, as of this recording, it seems as though um, David Quinn is the next coach of the New York Rangers, inking a five-year deal that's not yet official because Jeff Gordon is still over at the World uh, Championships, but will probably Denmark. be official. Yeah, he could, could be official by the time this goes live, to be honest with you. Um, we have brought Jake on to provide a little bit of expertise, if you will, 
Uh, he gave me a little bit of a primer on Quinn the other night. But, Jake, before we get into any questions, uh, can you just give us your, your quick elevator pitch, if you will, on uh, the man who coached your hockey team for five years? Yeah. Uh, one of his greatest strengths when he was with B was recruiting, getting high-level talent, um, instilling a winning culture within a team of guys who it's not necessarily putting an all-star team together but when you have prominent prospects like he did making sure that everybody's on the same page making sure that everyone knows what the deal is you got to win every time as much as you're uh there to also mature and cement your status as an nhl level talent but the fact that he kind of managed that dual role really well of nurturing guys who are trying to make it to the NHL versus becoming a perennial contender every year. Um, He has incredible strength when it comes to making a team. His X's and O's work, his actual tactical game skills could use a little bit of work. He had some fabulous assistant coaches at BU, including Albie O'Connell. But I think that uh, the right hires with New York and the right uh, analytics staff will certainly be able to give him a little bit of an advantage. But overall, I think if youth is what the emphasis is for rebuilding the New York Rangers, I think that he's absolutely the right hire. That seems to be the uh, the main focus, at least from a New York perspective. Uh, Vigneault was, well, you're familiar with Vigneault, but he was fired, we're being told, not because of player development, but that seems really weird that that's the case, considering everybody's saying how important player development is for uh, moving forward with a new coach. And Quinn has been just a master recruiter for... Boston University since he's gotten there. I mean, it's really the one thing that we heard when Quinn's name was first kind of thrown into the ring as a potential New York Rangers head coach was how good of a recruiter he was. And, um, you know, Jack Eichel, um, Keith Kachuk, how am I missing the big name? Oh, uh, Keller and uh, Jordan Greenway seem to be really the four names that people are are kind of throwing around out there as players who kind of got elevated uh, to a different level under Quinn, but also got to Boston University in the first place because of Quinn. And as much as you might not think that that plays a role in the NHL, think about how many times NCAA free agents hit the market or you need to kind of convince a free agent that they want to come to New York. And from the Rangers' perspective, another not Boston University but Boston College guy and Kevin Hayes was one such player. You know, Jimmy Vesey was another one who had to be convinced to come to New York. So the Rangers have missed out on a couple of those players as well, and I definitely think that's something that that David Quinn is going to bring to the table. I I do want to get back, though, um, Jake, to like the X's and O's aspect of what you're talking about. seems that he had a fair amount of success at Boston University, uh, almost won the national championship. He he made it to the NCAA tournament, uh, what, four times in a row, right? The final four years of his... uh, his tenure at BU, and uh, it seems that something was working for sure, but there there does seem to be this sort of underwhelming current that the teams maybe weren't as good as they should have been. And as somebody who's who's been able to watch them a little bit more closely, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think that even with this year's team, um, he certainly had a wild ride. The fact that they were 8-11-3, and three, by their breaking point at winter break and all of a sudden something flipped and they turned it on for the last half of the year and uh, pushed to make the NCAA tournament. Um, It wasn't necessarily a five-on-five issue. I saw he did a decent job of making sure that he had the right matchups. It was more so a special teams issue and it's mainly a power play issue. And I don't know whether it was him in general or whether it's the fact that you have guys who really want the puck when you put 
Jordan Greenway and Kiefer Bellows and Clayton Keller and Dante Fabro and Charlie McAvoy and guys who really just like holding the puck and moving the puck all on the same line. But uh, it, it became a little bit of a sticking point where it felt like almost every week, hey, the power play didn't necessarily capitalize on all their chances. What do you make of that? So it could have been the maturity of the team. It could have been the way Quinn shipped, uh, shaped together those units. I will say five on five, he's known not to be complacent. If he uh, wants something to be changed, he'll make a change. He'll flip lines. He was known, uh, especially when he had quite a surplus of defensemen to sometimes sub out a fourth liner and put a defenseman on the fourth line, a guy like Brian Diffley at BU. Um, But I think that with time, with the right types of analytics coming from the analytics team with the Rangers, uh, the right types of assistant coaches, I think those will be his biggest hires. He'll be able to overcome that. It's just a matter of making sure that he also adjusts to the pace of play at the pro level. Because I think we all know that the college level and the junior level is very different from where you're at at the pros as far as the speed of the game. So being able to make decisions on a split-second level like that is something that I think Quinn will take a little bit of time to get used to. But I think with the right people around him, he'll be able to do it. Well, Mike, we were talking about that before. You had a question about... Um, maybe the jump right from NCAA ranks to the NHL ranks. Um, if you want to elaborate on that, well, yeah, I was wondering. You know, we've seen a couple of coaches. We've seen Hackstall, uh, obviously Montgomery going to Dallas recently. Um, you know, I know Quinn's been at at BU for five years, right? Yes. Um, have you seen anything like specifically? in regards to him and his style, like has, have you sensed uh, like an evolution of any kind in that window? I think it's all been about a trust with his players. It's not necessarily a style thing. I know that he's understood that the game is getting faster and guys like to skate fast. They like to puck handle a lot. They like to skate around and wait for the right lanes. And I think he's starting to let his guys kind of take on roles where they feel a lot more comfortable in that system. One guy to really point out, as much as I love Jack Eichel, he had two phenomenal line mates in uh, Danny O'Regan and Evan Rodriguez, both members of the Buffalo Sabres organization now. Really got to talk about Clayton Keller as a guy who has incredible legs, knows how to fly around the offensive zone, knows how to use his stick really well. Not the biggest guy in the world, but someone who Quinn gave a lot of trust in. He injured himself uh, towards the middle part of the first half of the season. It didn't seem to hamper him when he came back, but they uh, took his time with him. They still had a trust that Keller was going to make the right decisions and do the right things when he got back on the ice, and he seemed to light it up and just be such a uh, spark plug throughout the whole season for a BU. It's not necessarily a style issue I would have with Coach Quinn. It's making sure that he trusts the players that he has, and... Uh, what's different about the college level is that he can recruit whoever he wants. It's much more of a collaborative system with uh, Jeff Gorton and with um, Glenn Sather and the, uh, all of the management within the Rangers uh, in this part. But I think that just making sure he has an inherent trust is something that I think will transition well between college and now. There's also a, an article on ESPNW that um, was being sort of passed around today that Catherine Yates was a... Uh, she kind of became the BU hockey director of analytics by approaching Quinn while he was there and saying, Hey, like, 
analytics are playing a big part in hockey, and I think you should take a look at it. And he kind of let her take the ground, hit the ground running with it. And it, it definitely when the Rangers originally fired Vigneault, James Dolan, who owns the Rangers, made a comment that the Rangers are moving in the direction of analytics. It's the way the game is moving. It's the way that they need to move. And it seems like given this opportunity, Quinn jumped on the opportunity for Boston University to also utilize analytics, which is something that Vigneault claimed that he did, but nobody ever knew what the sophisticated stats package was. Do you, Jake, do you feel like uh, Quinn has anything against Russians? No, I don't think so at all. I think that he'll be totally fine. When, doesn't, <laughs> ma- doesn't matter where you come from. As long as you comply, I think well, he's good. To, and to jump on that question, we've seen instances where Quinn has utilized younger players over maybe more established upperclassmen. I think Keller and, and Eichel. But were they Russian? Well, they, I don't think they were Russian at all, no. Um, Eichel is a little bit different because he was obviously on a completely different level. Maybe so was Keller. But, um, you know, Keller, Kachuk, these guys are getting quality minutes over maybe more established, quote-unquote, veterans, if you will. Have you noticed that Quinn has definitely leaned towards talent over maybe, I guess, the intangibles, if you will? Yeah, I think he leans towards um, talent over necessarily experience. That's not to say he doesn't appreciate the contributions that these guys are making. Uh, Tough situation with a guy like Nick Olsen at BU, who really great veteran presence, very much injured throughout his career at Boston University, always found a way to play on either the third or fourth line. The same to a guy like Chase Phelps, not necessarily with the injury, but didn't necessarily have the talent to be a first liner, found himself as a good fourth line grinder in and out of the lineup most of the season. But he puts a lot of trust in talent and making sure that you're putting your best foot forward rather than going, oh yeah, this guy's been here for three years now. He's earned his right to be on the top line. It's mainly about talent. And yeah, experience might play a little bit into it just as far as getting into the lineup, but he knows that you have to make as best a lineup as you can. And so talent definitely takes a precedent. Yeah, I, I, that's something that we've we've really seen, right? As we kind of get the little trickles of uh, of analytics and the little trickles of stories about what Quinn has done, it definitely appears as though that's something that he's been very hands-on with. And that was really one of the first things that we were talking about that Adam had said. There were always opportunities for Quinn to maybe shy away from using younger players and kind of, quote-unquote, slow grow them in the system and he kind of gave those guys the opportunities that they needed to develop. And to that point, one of the things that was really Scott Wheeler, who writes for The Athletic, he does a lot of work with the uh, – he used to work for SB Nation as well for Pension Plan Puppets, talked about how Sheldon Keefe, who was somebody that we were thinking was maybe an option for the Rangers, had what seemed like a designated plan for each young player on how to be successful and how to grow. Have you seen those types of hands-on involvement with some of the younger players to turn them into, um, I guess, better players and what your example would be of maybe a guy that we don't know about that he really turned into something? Um, Absolutely. I see a lot of those qualities. He's a very nurturing type of a coach. Um, I think we all know the example of Jordan Greenway and how he's become such a father figure to him. Uh, The fact that he traveled to Nashville to actually make his NHL debut when he uh, came up with the Minnesota Wilds, um, something that I think is incredible. Uh, We also talked about Jack Eichel, and I mentioned his line mates, um, Danny O'Regan and Evan Rodriguez. 
wouldn't you know it that all four of them actually still have a group chat together and as recently as I believe at the end of the regular season they were still communicating within it. Uh, the fact that he keeps those connections going for so long. And Danny and Evan weren't necessarily touted prospects. Danny was drafted by the San Jose Sharks and Evan Rodriguez was undrafted. Um, and he really helped along with Eichel, grow them into tremendous players. And once Eichel left, you still had Rodriguez and O'Regan at BU, and they made incredible contributions on the top line. They really learned how to handle top line minutes, be leaders on and off the ice. And then once they graduated, they luckily found themselves with great NHL careers, Evan being more of a third or fourth liner with Buffalo and Danny hopefully being able to crack and find that same type of a role with the Sabres as well. But the fact that uh, Coach Quinn has been able to take not just prominent names, but guys from all different types of backgrounds and all different types of experiences coming into his program and mold them into NHL players, I think it'll be great when it comes to developing AHL youth who happens to be up with the big club or first-round draft picks who need some seasoning. I think he'll be able to really work with them well. So it sounds a lot like he's something of a player's coach. Would you feel like that's a fair generalization? Yeah, I'd say that's a fair generalization that he's a player's coach. He knows that you he, he can't strap on the skates and play every single position every night. You've got to do something not to necessarily appease your players, but to get them all the same page. And I think one of his biggest strengths, aside from recruiting, is finding a common thread and getting everyone on board and having everyone buy in each and every year. It's an interesting dilemma the Rangers have because the Rangers have a couple of guys, D'Angelo and Brendan Smith come to mind, of guys who, you know, for very different reasons, I should make clear, of guys who kind of need, uh, you know, some extra extra care with handling. And I was wondering, you know, is he, is Quinn the sort of coach where, you know, you make you make a mistake, costly or not, and you find yourself parked on the bench? Or is he more the sort of coach who, you know, his hands on your shoulder and he's talking to you and, you know, you're right back out there for your next shift. He'll park you on the bench. Um, early in Kiefer Bellow's career at Boston University, he took a lot of penalties. He didn't seem to be making smart plays. He wasn't generating a lot of offense. And so every so often you'd see him stapled to the bench. But in the sense that it's a little bit different, he would still have his hand on your shoulder and he'd still be talking to you. He'd uh, walk you through what was going on on the ice. He'd be like, hey, I need you to be doing this. And he'd still be trying to walk you through what was going on, make sure that your head was still in the game. So if you were needed, he'd be able to throw you out there. He wouldn't just staple you to the bench and ignore you and be like, all right, I can't use you at all now. You're done. I'm going to go focus on my other 12 or 11 forwards who can produce. He's there and he's making sure that you're learning from your mistakes on a game-to-game uh, -game basis. But if you are making the mistakes, he knows that he has to be able to put guys who are contributing a lot more on the ice. To kind of jump on Mike's question, um, because this was an enormous issue with Vigneault in New York, how, how forgiving would you say, uh, that might not be the best way to word it, but how forgiving would you say Quinn is for more offensively gifted players in making mistakes to try to generate offense because it definitely seemed like AV would watch a player do something that maybe wasn't the smartest thing in the world to try to create some offense and they'd find themselves immediately stapled to the bench and Pavel Buchnevich actually talked about how that kind of impacted his confidence after Vigneault got fired. Do you see Quinn as somebody who allows those players room to breathe in terms of finding 
maybe who they are as a hockey player? Uh, yeah, I think he's at least somewhat forgiving. I think every coach has their point to where you're just making stupid plays to create offense and it really just hasn't uh, come to fruition in any way. But uh, you look at a guy like Bobo Carpenter at Boston University, a guy who, when he was recruited, I don't think he necessarily had the highest upside, but he started to become a lot more confident in his own self. He started to make really great plays. Uh, he was rewarded with a lot more ice time. He started to slip a little bit defensively, and that's not to say that he was awful defensively. He was a very good player, and still is, but I think that he's certainly watched as players develop their offensive game. He certainly is a little more forthcoming when it comes to, oh, you maybe got caught back a little bit. We'll work on that for the next game, but I appreciate the effort in that you were trying to score a goal, and it maybe it generated a good scoring chance, maybe it didn't, but the fact that you were at least trying... All right, I'm going to throw a couple of rapid-fire questions at you. You ready? Go for it. Mike hates when I do this to him, but I'll do it to other people because... I hate a lot of things you do, though. You do, absolutely. <laughs> um, what do you think his biggest weakness will be at the NHL level in New York? Power play um, strategies. No, that's a big... The strategies is a big one on that front. So you've actually... Uh, that brings me back to a question that I wanted to ask um, that I totally forgot about. You had mentioned how critical the assistant coach hires were going to be for Quinn. Um, and you've also mentioned that he had some great assistant coaches with him at BU. Uh, there was some talk that I think his top assistant was maybe now in, next in line for the job. You think he's going to try to bring anyone who's been on his staff with him to New York, or you think he's going to go outside the box? I think he'll go outside the box. I think, like you talked about the hiring of the analytics director, who I think she's done a fabulous job at BU, but the fact that he's willing to reach out to kind of any means necessary to find the right people. Albie O'Connell, you're right, I heard rumors that he might be the next uh, head coach, and I think that would be uh, fabulous. I would also love a guy like Mark Dennehy, but that's another story for maybe another type of a podcast. Um, I think that Albie would be great at BU. I think Albie would be a great assistant coach with Quinn in New York. It's a matter of where Albie sees himself. It's a matter of where Quinn thinks the right opportunities for Albie is. Uh, Maybe Mike Greer could be a good guy, another former Boston University guy. Um, it's great experience for Coach Quinn having been an assistant coach himself under the legendary Jack Parker at BU, so he knows what it takes to be an assistant coach. Uh, so kind of being behind the lens there, um, I think will give him a little bit of a leg up when it comes to hiring, but I think he'll look out of the box for sure. All right, next question. What do you think his biggest strength will be in New York? I think his biggest strength will be, uh, just fostering a great winning culture, Um, He knows how to trust his players. He knows how to get them on the same page. He's a very strong defensive coach, but I think that he knows that his players can score. He knows that's what the league is all about now. It's not about fighting or hitting or um, really a lot on the defensive side being too excellent. I think that it's a very strong offensive game, and he trusts his players to do that. He's going to find some sort of a system, five-on-five, power play, penalty kill, and get everyone to buy in. Mike, doesn't every ounce of what we're hearing sound like music to your ears at this point? Yeah, but I have one serious question for Jake. Let's hear it. Uh, Do you also think he looks a little bit like Benedict Cumberbatch? (laughs) I've heard comments every now and then that he's been called a silver fox, but uh, he's he's got a little bit of the Benedict Cumberbatch in him. There's something about the facial structure to me. It's very, very Cumberbatchian. 
He is a handsome man. I think him and Lundqvist probably make the – they have to be the hottest coach goalie combo <laughs> in the NHL. I can't imagine they're not. Um, all right, so my final big question for you. The Rangers are a team that's obviously rebuilding. They're looking for some level of success, maybe not right away. There's rumors that they're bringing in, you know, Kovalchuk. There's rumors that they are maybe looking as far as they may be in on Carlson. Who friggin' knows? Do you see Quinn as the type of guy who can maybe not necessarily bring this together and turn this into a, a winning team right away, but somebody who, who fits the mold of a coach who's able to help them rebuild, who he himself will probably have a year or so to figure out what type of coach he is at the NHL level? And do you just think this is a perfect fit for the two of them? Because on the surface, it kind of does feel like it. It's an absolutely a fabulous fit with Quinn and the Rangers. What I talked about earlier in the podcast was his last season at BU, where they started out 8-11-3. Things were feeling very dismal, and Hockey East is just as competitive a conference within college hockey as the Metropolitan is within the NHL. If you get down by too much, you're basically gone. You have no chance of recovering. And they took that winter break. They recovered. Uh, they got everyone to rebuy into a system. They started to win a little bit. They felt a little more confident. It translated into a lot of momentum. It didn't get them a bean pot, but it got them a Hockey East championship. It got them a spot in the playoffs. Uh, they were very much not considered to win that Hockey East uh, tournament, by the way. And they blew through, and they did such an incredible job um, going up against all the odds. And I think that he's not shy when it comes to not having success and showing his emotion and showing his frustration. But I think that shows that he's just as much in it to win it as his players. He's going to get fired up when things are great. He's going to get fired up and mad when things aren't going great. He's going to be a guy who will show his passion, wear his heart on his sleeve, and I think he'll get everyone to really buy into what he's saying, what he preaches, and I think it's going to translate pretty well. I lied. I have one more question. If John Tortorella was the equivalent of a fire-breathing dragon and Vigneault was the equivalent of his entire house is on fire and he doesn't even blink, what type of a personality are we getting with David Quinn? Are we getting somebody who, you know, is a little bit more, I don't know, I guess I don't want to say hot-headed. Yeah, are we getting somebody who's a little bit more vocal, a little bit more emotional, but maybe not on Tortorella's level, or maybe on Tortorella's level? I don't know. What do you uh, think his spirit animal is? Yeah. <laughs> Quinn is Quinn can be a wolf at times. I mean, Ooh, he he knows like how to wolf. stand he knows how to stand alone from the pack, and um, definitely he can be vocal. But he's certainly a pack mentality kind of a guy. It's you have to have a team around you, and he was a lot of the times i've seen him be vocal it's not necessarily about something wrong it's about standing up for his players and standing up for decisions that they made standing up for things that happen on the ice in regards to play with his team so i think that he'll certainly foster a lot of trust because he'll be a guy who he's not afraid to bark up the ref's alley and um really fight for what his players are trying to do are you hearing this, Joe? What spirit animal? Jake said pack and barks up the alley. I mean... It was, a, it was a wolf was his answer. Yeah, but my point is, like, wolf, pack, barking? I mean, this is good work. Well, yeah, it actually... It's better than okay, you've okay, ever now, done. I, I understand what you're saying now. You're, saying you're doing terrible better, work, Jake. He's better at articulating I'm going to get rid of you, thoughts, get Jake. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm, we're happy to hear that because 
Tortorella was the ultimate player protector, right? Tortorella really, until the end, never really called people out in the media. It was very much, that's my room, I got to protect my boys. Vigneault was totally different. Vigneault, again, at the end, ended up calling people out in the media and only specific people, uh, which is, I think, part of the reason why he got fired. But it definitely seems like Quinn just, I I don't know, I, I wasn't. My initial reaction when I knew Quinn was in the running was, wow, I'd rather Keefe, you know, I feel like Quinn would be maybe, you know, a little underwhelming just in regards that Keefe had more experience in my eyes at doing the developmental aspect of things. He had a little bit more of a track record of success when it came to his coaching style, but there were definitely demons with Keefe that Quinn did not have. Um, But the more we hear about Quinn, it does seem like it's a little bit of a different fit, but a fit nonetheless. And if smart people like Jake think that uh, that David Quinn is a good fit for the Rangers, then I also think that he's a good fit for the Rangers. Um, I don't have any other questions. Mike, you have any other questions? My last two bits I actually have yep, for you, you guys. There you go. You <laughs> oh, there is, we go is, is to kind of compliment that he's not afraid to call anyone out. I'll say that, that if someone's not having a good performance, he's not going to stand up for them unnecessarily and try and defend them to the death. But, but is everybody subject to that that rule, if you will? Yeah, he's not, he's not, he was never afraid to be like, oh, yeah, Clayton Keller totally – messed up this he he was losing the puck a lot tonight as much as he had a goal just there's always things to work on he's never a guy that's satisfied as much as he loves his players yeah that that i'm fine with av with av it was like the same six players and nobody else was allowed to be talked about under any circumstances Mm -hmm. Uh, but i've interrupted you enough your second point I'm amazed that you guys didn't bring up the relationship Kevin Shattenkirk might have with David Quinn as Shattenkirk was on the 2009 national championship team for Boston University when David Quinn was an assistant coach. So those two certainly might have a little bit of chemistry inherently going into the beginning of the season. You don't have to show us up on our own goddamn podcast. (laughs) I totally forgot about Shattenkirk, actually. But interestingly enough, Shattenkirk liked, uh, and I don't want to make too much of of an interaction on social media, he liked that... uh, that post about uh, Gallant's quote where he said, you can't punish players for mistakes. Like you need to let guys do what they need to do. Him and Tony D'Angelo were actually the two Rangers to like it. Um, and I, I kind of forgot about Shattenkirk's ties there, but that, that does bring up, you know, do you see, he obviously has connections to some Rangers right now. Um, he He's kind of stepping in right away. Do you see him leaning on a guy like Shattenkirk, maybe in a major leadership role? Like, A.V. had a leadership council, right? He had, like, four players that rotated in his out as captain, assistant captain, but, like, a leadership group that kind of ran the room because he was very laissez-faire with the locker room. Is Quinn that type of a person? Quinn likes to interact with his players, but I think he knows that there are certain guys in the locker room who like to speak up more than others and have a little bit more of a role within locker room culture. Um, You take a look at the captains that Coach Quinn had in his time at Boston University. For two years, it was Matt Grizzlick, who was a little bit more of a lead-by-example guy, uh, certainly a great player, and did a great job with the Boston Bruins this year. Two years ago, it was a Doyle Summerby, a little bit more of a guy who wore his heart on his sleeve, but still very soft-spoken, very much a lead-by-example guy. This year was very different that he had Brandon Hickey, who originally was a Calgary Flames draft pick, but had his rights traded to Arizona in the Mike Smith trade. 
Um, he's a guy who, who is very vocal, loves to wear his heart on his sleeve, loves to talk it up on the bench in the locker room. I think he knows that certain guys will bring different things on a leadership level, and so I think he'll certainly find Shattenkirk, he'll find a few different types of players from a d- few different types of molds who will come together and form a good leadership core. No, I don't. I have nothing, obviously nothing to add, but I, I, it all sounds really good. Um if you're not already, and you probably uh, you're not because you're listening to a Rangers podcast, you can follow uh, Jake at, uh, at J-A-K-E-R-E-I-S-E-R on Twitter. Um, you can read him at Stanley Cup of Chatter, which is our resident um, SB Nation Boston Bruins blog. I'm actually surprised that you guys are still speaking to us after the Nash and Holden stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Mike, anything else you want to uh, you want to throw out there? Do they call groundhogs groundhogs or woodchucks? And and I mean I know you're in New York now, but in, in the Boston area, I called them groundhogs growing up. I'm Rhode Island born and raised, and I always called them groundhogs. Joe, what do you call them? I'm going to be completely honest with you on this one. I assumed groundhogs and woodchucks were two different things. I think they might be. I don't know. I just I was thinking of something to ask. Okay, well, you've ruined the entire interview, actually. That's fine. (laughs) Any legitimacy that we had before has now been ruined. Um, Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for answering our questions uh, and Mike's questions as well. Um, We appreciate it, and I'm sure we will continue to talk to you as we go and we uh, learn more information about this. Yeah, absolutely. I was glad to join you guys. I love Coach Quinn. I think he's a fabulous guy, and I think you guys have a great fit. Awesome. Anything you want to plug for yourself before we, uh, we stop? Uh, no, I think you guys plugged it all well. Um, SB Nation's Stanley Cup of Chowder is the Bruins affiliate. We have our own podcast now, um, unsupervised. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Play. Um, we're gonna, we did a few during the end of the season and playoffs. We're going to be doing it a little bit more sporadically as the um, offseason goes on. We're releasing an episode probably around the time this one goes live, so keep an eye out for that. Um, and that's pretty much it. Where did that name come from, unsupervised? We did some crowdsourcing within the SB Nation um, NHL network, and we got some great names. And I believe it was a writer from Winging It from Motown who uh, came up with that, luckily for us. Huh. Well, there you go. I just want to point out Groundhog and Woodchuck is the same thing. So the, sh- the show is fine. You've done, yeah, okay. We've, we've saved it. I just, it. I just we want to confirm yeah, that. We, we got apparently, it. according to Wikipedia, never wrong. They're the same animal. Doing well, Wikipedia work. already has David Quinn as the head coach, believe it or not. So they know, they're aware. All right, thank you uh, for coming on. And um, and we are back. Um, Mike, I, th- I think Jake brought a lot of good points to the table. And as somebody who's watched both BU and Quinn very closely, it, it is interesting to hear somebody who, uh, it, let's start with this. He thinks he's a really good fit for New York. But he definitely talks about the X's and O's being something that Quinn is going to need some help with. And I know we we brushed on it in the beginning, but how much of a concern does that bring to you? Because here's my point in all this. Quinn has a year, maybe two years, to figure himself out behind the bench, right? The Rangers aren't expected to be contenders next year. The Rangers probably aren't expected to be contenders the year after. So Quinn has plenty of time to figure out who he is without the pressure of having to win. And I do wonder if you think that makes a difference in, in this sort of stigma that surrounds him. My my big thing is, all right, so we know he's not an X's and O's guys. Okay. 
my my thing with him because I, I asked you know I, I asked Jake you know jokingly like what sort of reputation does he have with Russians and of course you know he hasn't seen a lot of Russian players as a as a coach in you know university in, in the United States but and I, I bring that point up again now because it's uh, I feel like if he's a guy who connects with players and he doesn't pay attention to X's and O's which would necessarily you know you can assume because the other thing we haven't talked about is you know does he weigh in on you know how does he weigh in on analytics and you know understanding you know what you know how important possession metrics are and you know how important it is to control the puck and you know Jake told us you know he is a guy who's kind of you know a defense coach but he's also you know, Jake told us, yeah, but he also understands. We asked, you know, what happens when a player, you know, messes up? Is he riding the pine? Is he benched? Um, you know, does he miss a shift? Does he miss a period? Something like that. And, you know, Jake's explained, but he also understands there's the, you know, the offensive side of the game, what the modern game looks like. And those are important details to me because we, we just had a coach, Joe, who... You know, he said things like, I, I lost... Sophisticated stat package. Yeah, and I lost track of a player in a multiple overtime game, and he d- he didn't recognize or utilize Pavel Buchnevich. And this team, in all likelihood, is about to get very Russian. So there's a, a lot of little things I, t- I took away from this, but the it, to really answer your question with the X's and O's, I I see that as like, yeah, I, I'm, I have concerns with that, but... If I'm, if my belief is the Rangers should, I'm not sure if, if this is what they will do, they should be a team that rebuilds and takes their time and works with young players. And the rest of the stuff will be figured out, you know, in a few years. Like you said, he, he's going to have plenty of leash, um, and he should. So I'm not too concerned because I'd rather have a guy who's great at working with young players. Right. And the other thing that, and Jeff brought this up, and I don't want to, kind of break that interview down too much before you hear it but it's very difficult to coach and to have the x's and o's really ironed out when your best players are leaving after a year right they're one and done players like eichel came and everybody knew he was going to leave um keller came and every you know everybody knew that he was going to leave mcavoy the same now there were teams that that quinn had say mcavoy and keller on the same group and you know like to chuck is another example is he going to stay is he going to go although that's no longer quinn's problem um it, it's just it is difficult to have a very young team and not have to make some some adjustments to your your setting and your style. And I do wonder what Quinn will be able to do once he has the ability to have a settled roster. The Rangers are a pretty young team. The turnover that we're expecting happened, and the turnover that may come from this point forward is going to come before Quinn ever takes over the team. So there should be a level of familiarity by the time he gets into training camp in September of what the group is going to be. And what I think is a really important factor to all of this is Quinn's ability, like Mike said, to develop talent, to be hands-on. This is a guy who is not afraid to play the Kellers of the world and the Tachucks of the world and the McAvoys of the world over juniors and seniors, as Jake kind of alluded to in his interview, which is something that we've 
absolutely not seen the past five years under AV. Evan um, Spore, the former uh, writer for Blue Shirt Banter, he, he brought up a really good point on Twitter about how he asked David Quinn about a player, and I, I can't remember who the player was, who was really struggling. And Quinn told him that he was keeping him in the top six because while he wasn't scoring goals, his numbers looked good, the scoring chances that he was generating looked good, and lo and behold, the guy went on a tear. We didn't see that under AV. If you're getting that type of analysis and that type of adjustments from David Quinn, I think you are already ahead of the game. So, yeah, is it possible that he's going to struggle on the way out? Maybe. I don't know. The beginning next year is not going to be good regardless. It doesn't matter. Really. So, I, I, right. I don't know how angry you can be about this. If, if Quinn needs to take a year or two and figure himself out as a coach, but all the other tools are there, this is the perfect place. Because the Rangers don't need to be good next year. And we're really, we're, we're hedging into Jeff's interview. So why don't we just get on that? Um, we had to do Jeff's interview over the phone, myself and his. So just don't, it's not your phone when the audio quality kind of dips out. Um, don't be alarmed of that. But there's a really good, uh, some really good answers there. So let's jump into Jeff right now. And then Mike and I will come back. And now I am joined by a Jeff Cox at Jeff Cox Sports, who is a columnist for the New England Hockey Journal. Uh, to give us a little bit more insight on David Quinn. Uh, Jeff, try it again. Um, for those of us who don't really know David Quinn all that well, is there a quick elevator pitch? You know, do you like his fit for the Rangers? What's a quick synopsis on him? I think the uh, really the quick way to describe David Quinn is I think New York fans, New York media will really, really gravitate to him. You know, players, coaches, other coaches, everyone in – New England hockey circles have really, really liked David Quinn as a person, and he's very, you know, very charismatic. Done a great job recruiting at Boston University. There's no doubt he can, you know, sell himself in that way. To me, the issue it remains how just how good of a head coach is he. He, the results have been a little bit underwhelming at Boston University, considering just how how talented his rosters have been since he took over. You know, the team with Jack Eichel, you know, fell fell short, obviously in the national championship game and, you know, last year's team with Charlie McAvoy, Clayton Keller, and some other big names lost in the NCAA quarterfinals. So some some of his results have been a little bit underwhelming on the ice, but as far as everything else, I think he'll be a great fit in New York. So talk about that a little bit, because that does seem to be the main concern when people talk about David Quinn is he's gotten all this talent and obviously that's a positive in its own right, but there have been some, I guess, shortcomings, like you said. Do you think that's a tactical weakness in his coaching? Is it uh, the national title game? Obviously, he comes a fluke goal away from, from probably winning that game. Um, I wonder if that doesn't kind of change the perception, but is, it, is the X's and O's really not there as much as they could be? Because that is some of what we're hearing from some of the people who have watched him closely. You know, like like you said, that fluke goal. Obviously, if he wins that 2015 national championship, none of none of this has probably been spoken about. But to to me, you know, the, a big issue with them has been how young they've been. It's hard to win in the NCAA with young teams. So that's kind of a I don't want to call it an excuse because it's you know, it's the new way of how teams are winning in college hockey. Union won a national title with a bunch of you know 24, 25 year old seniors and. Teams like Lowell and Quinnipiac have done really well with older players. So, you know, BU's consistently been one of the younger teams in college hockey under his tenure. So that that is a a reason, you know, to you know, kind of excuse 
some of the perceived shortcomings results-wise. But, you know, as far as X's and O's, I think defensively he's one of the better defensive minds in in the game. Um, I've told people this a lot, you know, they won the 2009 National Championship when he was an associate head coach, and all six of those defensemen that played on that team all made it to the NHL. He knows how to develop players he has a really good rapport i think he's going to be a guy that the younger players are going to like he'll he'll help them develop he's kind of a free freestyle you know that it's not as struct bu hasn't played as structured as some other teams you know like providence comes to mind as a team that everyone sees out east they play a much more structured game than boston university so i think his style of play people will like i think he certainly knows how to develop defensemen well you know we'll see the power play has been an issue that especially the considerable talent they've had, power play has been an issue that people have kind of criticized him for. Yeah, you're not the first person to say that either. Um, Jake Reiser, who writes for Stanley Cup of Chowder, who we interviewed before, talked about he thought it would be really critical for Quinn to land top-notch assistance to kind of help him, I guess, smooth over some of those wrinkles in his coaching game, especially as he develops. Are there any names that you think maybe link well with Quinn, guys that he might be looking at? I know some of the assistant coaches on the BU side are probably looking to take his job, but do you think he takes anyone with him? I don't think he'll take anyone with him. Albie O'Connell's has been you know, an assistant at BU for, I think, uh, Quinn's entire tenure. He spent 15 seasons in college hockey, including Merrimack, U, uh, Northeastern, Harvard. Albie O'Connell is kind of a college guy. He's a really, really good recruiter. Then Len uh, Quisnell, he was a Princeton head coach. He was a Detroit Red Wings scout. He's just finished his first year as an assistant under Quinn. Um, so I don't, I don't see either of those two guys uh, following him to New York. And then, you know, before that, Steve Greeley was one of his uh, assistants. He's now the assistant GM in Buffalo. But, you know, obviously BU does have quite a few guys that are in the NHL already, you know, Mike Sullivan's the head coach for the Penguins. John Hines is head coach with the Devils. There's no shortage of uh, BU alums that Quinn. Obviously, those guys aren't going to take an assistant job, but right. there's there's no shortage of you know NHL connected players that you know David Quinn could bring to New York. Scott Young's a possibility. He's a Pittsburgh director of um, player development right now. Played in the NHL for a long time. He was an assistant at BU for a couple of years. So. Maybe maybe a guy like Scott Young, but overall, I don't see anyone with Quinn ties to Boston University following him to the Rangers. Now, one of the things that we've heard a lot about Quinn is how good of a recruiter he is, right? The talent that he's brought in, and obviously something the Rangers are looking for is somebody who's capable of developing um, young talent because it was an area that was a pretty big weakness in the game. Um, there is a difference between being a great recruiter and a, a good talent developer. Do you see Quinn as maybe a little mesh of both, or has he been the benefit of being able to bring bigger names in and kind of letting them grow into what they are naturally? I think that could go both two ways. There have been there have been a couple of players at Boston University that really underperformed and didn't exceed, definitely didn't exceed expectations. There was a defenseman who just graduated this year, John McLeod, who was a second-round pick at Tampa Bay. He he ended up being a healthy scratch some his junior and senior year. He he never panned out. You know, there's but then there's other instances where 
you know, Jacob Forsbacher Carlson, who's in the Bruins system, he really, you know, flourished under under Quinn as a sophomore before turning pro. So, you know, there's there's something to be said for both sides with the, you know, develop development part. But in general, I, I think Quinn is a guy that can really relate to the younger players and help them develop into into better hockey players. Yeah, we've we've heard a lot about. I think I think the term that's been used is fatherly. He's almost like a fatherly figure behind the bench, and Jordan Greenway was an example that people gave uh, about somebody that Quinn kind of really nurtured into kind of what he's become right now. Um, in that same vein, just from somebody who's watched a lot of BU, how does Quinn handle players who are a little bit more offensively gifted but maybe more risk-takers as well? Um, guys who maybe try to do a little bit too much, but is he forgiving in that aspect? Is he a guy who doles out healthy scratches and – and benchings when people make mistakes, or is he he a little bit more forgiving and lets guys kind of grow into what they need to become? I think I think I would describe him as forgiving. You know, Charlie McAvoy, you know, a defenseman, but you know, an offensive defenseman by trade. He, you know, Quinn really let him, you know, have free roam last year and the year before, and you know, what came with that was some really really good plays that were highlight reels, and then also some you know, sloppy turnovers and some, you know, defensive breakdowns from McAvoy. But I think, you know, I think Quinn's a guy that will take the, take the risk with the reward. And he really didn't have a tendency to, you know, bench players like his predecessor, Jack Parker was, you know, known for being kind of a harsh disciplinarian would bench even his top players where Quinn to me never really seemed to, you know, lay down the, you know, the law or what, whatever term you'd want to use to, um, you know, kind of put down some of his top players who might have made a mistake here or there. Back in January, there was an issue where they, you know, they were struggling. They had a 3 nothing loss to Maine. And, you know, Quinn, you know, talked about how disappointed he was and how the team needed changes. But, you know, benching really has never been in it, you know, something that, or calling out players to the media. He's never really been that type of coach. It sounds like music to our ears after what we've gone through the past, uh, what, the past <laughs> two or three years at the end of AV's tenure there. Um, right. So I guess really the final thing that I just want to talk about in regards to Quinn, um, we, we have a guy who's a little bit more open-ended, um, somebody who's kind of a, a little bit more forgiving in terms of the offense and whatnot. Do you think as somebody who sees a lot of college free agents come out, you know, from the NCAA and and not be signed or maybe not signed with their teams and in free agency or whatnot, do you see Quinn's ability to recruit high-end talent be something that the Rangers are going to be able to use to their advantage and maybe a field that a lot of people don't think about because Kevin Hayes is a great example, you know, Jimmy VC on the lesser scale, but there are a lot of these guys that come out of college and Quinn has been exceptional at bringing them in to his fold. Right. I, I think that could be one of Quinn's biggest strengths, especially, you know, in New York, you obviously have that built in, you know, recruiting advantage right there, but you know, Quinn knows a lot of the you know, younger talent coming up. He he's obviously been the head coach of Boston University. He was named the USA coach for the World Junior Championship this upcoming year. Obviously he's no longer going to be the head coach of the US at the World Junior Championship, but He's a guy that's really had a good relationship with a lot of the younger, you know, players through, you know, he used to work for the U.S. National Team Development Program 
Um, I, I see his ability to sell the program per se is one of his biggest strengths, especially in New York. Uh, I guess last question for you. What do you think? I know we kind of talked about it a little bit. Do you like the fit for him coming into New York where the Rangers really aren't expected to be good next year, where a guy maybe has a year or two to kind of figure himself out behind the bench as the Rangers figure themselves out? Uh, To me, this is the best fit possible for Quinn. Um, I think he's, if if you ask me 60 Division I college hockey coaches, who's best fit to be the head coach of the New York Rangers. I, I think it's David Quinn. I just think it, he oozes personality, has so much charisma. He, I think he is a good hockey coach. He's proven that, you know, when he was an assistant at BU, some of his time with the National Team Development Program. I think he's a really good hockey coach. I think once he, you know, kind of develops into the coach he can be, I think he could be a really good fit for the Rangers. I just think it'll take a, you know, maybe a little – feeling out process. Hmm, that's fine because the Rangers, ah, New York's not a big market. You know, people <laughs> people don't get too crazy about stuff there, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, Jeff. You guys can follow Jeff at Jeff Cox, C-O-X, uh, sports uh, on Twitter. Um, he writes for, like we said, the New England Hockey Journal. Uh, he was a former SB Nation guy, the college guy back in the day. Um, anything else you want to plug, Jeff? Uh, no, that's it. I do do write a little bit for the New York Hockey Journal as well for fans in the uh, New York area looking to um, catch some New York stuff. Oh, well, there you go. And you'll be able to watch Quinn as well. You can kind of yeah. get both, best of both worlds on that one. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thank you, Jeff. Um, really appreciate it. Again, that's J-E-F-F-C-O-X Sports at Twitter. Um, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Joe. Bye. And we are back. Um, so, Jeff himself talked about how he thought that David Quinn and the New York Rangers were really a match made in heaven. Um, Definitely talked about some of the shortcomings, you know, and, but thinks that Quinn is a really good fit in New York because he kind of does have that, that timetable that, that Mike and I were just talking about before we jumped into the interview. Um, One of the things that I want to mention now, and and it, it is kind of something that Jeff brought up as well from a tactical standpoint, BU and Jeff was saying this is has been one of the youngest teams in the NCAA, and it's it's very hard to win in that respect. And he mentioned Quinnipiac, which is my alma mater, as as an example. Quinnipiac has a lot of seniors who are twenty five years old, right? The two years that they went to the NCAA uh, national championship, they they do a really good job of those second level players. You know, if they're playing in the U.S. National Development League, and then they, they you don't have to go to college. You could be a 21-year-old freshman. And having a really young team does sort of adjust the way that you need to coach. And like we were talking about, I, I think that's going to play a role. Yes, there is there are aspects of, of Quinn that is underwhelming. There are definitely years where he had a ton of talent and it didn't, it didn't kind of come to fruition. But Jeff talked about something that you and I have discussed, Mike, which is that Quinn's ability to be a recruiter – and recruit players to BU may turn him into a recruiter for the New York Rangers and getting guys like Kevin Hayes and and Jimmy VCs. The Rangers have sort of won those battles the past couple of years, but there are definitely players out there that the New York Rangers have not gotten in on. And I'm curious your take on how important of an aspect that may be moving forward. It, that it's very very hard to like assign value to that. I think because a lot of this a lot of that is like oh how does that skill translate to being you know how does that skill translate to the NHL 
And I'm not saying this just to kind of naysay and to, you know, deflate the idea, but it, it's very, you know, how often, I mean, definitely there are players who, who are excited about working with certain coaches. And, you know, there have been some interesting players that you know, came through, you know, under Quinn, you know, at his at his position there in Boston. But, you know, how how often is that going to be the deciding factor for a player as opposed to job security or or his salary or, you know, anything else? Or, you know, what's my role going to be? Okay, you know, what's the coach? Um, and, you know, at other times, you know, I would say that, yeah, that, that is something that matters. Players are going to want to go where there's a coach they know they can work with. But that feels more to me just like, I don't know, uh, how can that skill translate here? And I think we need to kind of see it before we believe it. You know, we, we need to see it kind of pay dividends. Um, you know, but at the same time, Kreider, who's, you know, an alumna of, of you know, uh, of BU. I mean, not Kreider. I'm sorry, Drury. Um, you know, he, he, God. he's been he's been so pivotal for recruitment for the Rangers. And, you know, we've seen that play a pretty big, pretty big role. The, the idea of selling the idea of playing for, you know, the team and, and this team and this system. And maybe, maybe that, that informs us that, yeah, this stuff does matter more than we might think at face value. But I, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I wanted to ask you a question, Joe. Ask away. The, we heard a report that, the Rangers had to quote unquote sweeten the pot twice to kind of lure Quinn away, uh, you know, from from his position at BU. And again, we've already kind of talked about this. This is just you know playing with you know Dolan's money, which is essentially monopoly money because it doesn't matter in terms of the cap. But uh, did you have any reaction of any kind to the idea that? You know, I, if anything, I guess this tells us the Rangers really wanted him, right? <laughs> but so it, it, but it's hysterical that you say this because just as you you told me you were going to ask that question, Jeff Cox just sent out a tweet. Quote, per multiple NHL sources, Jim Montgomery turned down a significantly more money from the New York Rangers to take the job of the Dallas Stars, end quote. Um and I, fi- I find so are, that interesting. There are because, better ribs in Dallas, I would imagine. Than New York City? Well, it's Dallas. Have you ever had I barbecue guess. in Texas? It's pretty good. I have not had Texas barbecue. Have you had Texas barbecue? I've had Texas. Yeah. I've, I've had, had Texas-style uh, barbecue from New York. I've never been to the state of Texas ever, so I guess I should go at some point. Um, yeah. I like it. Have some. I love barbecue, so that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, the best brisket I've ever had in my life was in Texas. Yeah, some Texas brisket. I, I think what I find interesting about all of this is after Montgomery took the Dallas Stars job, I think it was Larry Brooks made a comment that the New York Rangers were not going to try to force somebody to come to New York, right? If Montgomery didn't want to come to New York and the Rangers had to pay an exuberant amount of money to get him over here, he's not what he wants. Um, two weeks later, and I made this joke on Twitter, this coaching search literally went from nothing is happening, we don't know what's going to happen, to well, David Quinn's going to be the coach in about 25 minutes. So now we're hearing that the Rangers sweetened the pot twice for, for Quinn, which is now maybe the Rangers thought that they were selling New York to Montgomery. And with Quinn, he wanted New York, but he had a dream job at BU, and that's a little bit different. And I think you could certainly make that 
that adjustment if you had to. But I do find it interesting that that the Rangers probably put, let's say the Rangers put this offer out, right? The same offer that they put out for David Quinn. Well, maybe make it a little bit less because the Rangers sweetened the pot twice. What if the Rangers offer for Montgomery was five years, $1.5 million? Does that sound fair? That sound like a fair number? Yeah, I mean, we have very limited data on what coaches' salaries are, but it's also worth noting maybe, I think the thing that might have been negotiated was term, because even really established coaches very rarely get stuff like five-year deals. It just doesn't happen. Um, But again, it doesn't matter. It's Dolan's money, but I feel like that probably played a big role. Like uh, Bruce Boudreaux right now, I think he is on a two-year... 2.625 2.625 million contracts, you know, and that's just, so, just for a little bit of context. You know, is it possible that the Rangers only offered Montgomery maybe four years, $2 million, or four years, $1.7 yeah. million? I don't know. I mean, it's possible, and that maybe the Stars offered, I don't know what his contract was with the Stars, but, you know, there, there's no there's no reason for... I just find it very... In, so, what this tells me, and I... I the tie, like, this is so bizarre to me, was that Quinn wasn't the guy. You know what I mean? Obviously, Montgomery was the guy, unless yeah, yeah. the Rangers made the offer to Quinn. Quinn said no. The Rangers made the offer to Montgomery. Montgomery said no. And then the Rangers went back to Quinn again. And Quinn was like, ah, not really. And then the Rangers were like, oh, you know, shit, we don't have anybody that we can give anything to. We really want you. Let's give some more money. I mean, that's the only thing in my head that makes sense. Of all of this, that the Rangers went to Quinn first because the report did come out by Larry Brooks that Quinn said he was going to stay at um, he's going to stay at BU. Right. We all turned our attention to Montgomery. Montgomery signed with Dallas. Then everybody was like, well, looks like Quinn's actually not out of it yet. And now we're here. Does that that timeline make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, that that timeline makes sense to me in that they revisited Quinn and said, all right, well, you know, the, the, the option for Montgomery went away. It was a really a choice between two guys. And let's say, assuming it's not, I don't think it's crazy to assume that Quinn was all along the guy they wanted most, but you know, they lost out on Montgomery and then they said, all right, Quinn, we'll give you this. And, you know, if that's what it took to kind of woo him away from, you know, you know, where he was clearly very happy. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's definitely fascinating because, you know, I just checked uh, Cap Friendly where they, it's hard to find the, the coach contracts, but it is there. You have to do capfriendly.com slash, slash coaches. And you can see, you know, a lot of the, the coach salaries are unknown, but it's, it is very rare, Joe, for coaches, unless you're Mike Babcock, to get deals that go past three years or well, two Babcock years. got like player money yeah he got six million a year for well uh, well let's go let's go through what we know Rick Tockett who's the current coach of of Arizona 1.5 million right Joel Quinnenville six million he's obviously Chicago um Jeff Blasel from uh Blasel Blasel it's Blasel isn't it from Detroit only 800,000 he may be the lowest of the group actually of Mike Babcock know, yeah. six point Six point two five. Travis Green in Vancouver, a million. Um, Hackstall is two million with the Flyers. Oh, Claude Julien, wow, five million dollars from Montreal. That's insane. Oh, Montreal. Um, 
that's funny. Peter Laviolette is two million right now, but the next two years are unknown. Yeah, his extension. I would imagine. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's very rare. There for, are options there. Yeah, it's v- very few coaches there have more than a salary that would rival what Quinn is reported to make, which is two point five or two point four million a year. And the other thing, you know, is most of the coaches we named are on are on two or three year deals, and that's definitely I don't know. It, it's it, all that tells me really. I mean, again, the money doesn't matter, but what it tells me is the Rangers really wanted him, and you know, the, it must have been from something they took away from interviews and from talking to the people around him, where they said, "This is the guy who's going to work with our kids, who's going to groom them into being, you know, these." this character players you know find the leaders you know work with them but you know like you said earlier joe he hasn't had that uh that real experience with a situation where there's players who stick around you know the you know he he was a head coach in the ahl for a couple years but even there in the ahl like you have a pretty significant roster turnover and i think he was only in that position with lake erie for two or three years and that's it's going to be really interesting to see that dynamic unfold here with Quinn because he has to he has to kind of you know work with these players get attached to them work with them and then he f- has to figure out all right well is he going to be a guy who has his coach's favorites like we saw with Vigneault and like we've seen with other coaches or is he going to for whatever reason develop a you know a shorter leash for some guys I don't know Mike McMahon, we're doing this podcast at the perfect time. Mike McMahon uh, at Mike M C M A H O N C H N on Twitter uh, in the CH News column was told that David Quinn turned down eight million over four years from the Rangers last week. So the Rangers bumped it up to what's believed to be you know twelve million over five years, and he thinks the fifth year was the big sweetener, like we were talking about. So. Um, that does that that seems to be the timeline. The timeline seems to be that the New York Rangers went for Montgomery. Mm. Well, went for Quinn. Quinn said no, went to Montgomery. Montgomery said no, went back to Quinn and then, you know, doubled it up. Maybe Quinn was the guy all along, and I certainly hope that's the case because if the Rangers if the Rangers met with Montgomery and they liked Montgomery and they didn't get him and he was the guy, that that's not great. You don't want to now, there are worse options than David Quinn. You know, the Rangers could have given Ruff the job for a year or turned around and said, hey, you know what, we're actually we're going to go with a guy like Barry Trotz, which might, like I'm shaking even thinking how that could be an option, and, and who knows if it was or it wasn't. Um, but, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a little bit different. It, it's This is a different position than we've been in before, and I, I just want to say I want to continue to to harp on this. The Rangers moved in a totally different direction. They did not need to go in this direction, and they did it. It's totally different. Michael? Well, the, I, the, other, the other thing I wanted to take a moment to say is normally when we think of you know new coaches or coaches who don't have a lot of experience in the NHL, we think of guys who are kind of young guys, right? But Quinn is 51, um, and that might be... One of the reasons he kind of drove a hard bargain with this this idea of job security, and you know he wanted the five years and and all of that because you know he's he's fifty one. He's not a he's not a puppy. You know he he knows what he wants, and it, it, it took a lot to kind of seduce him away from from that gig and and BU, where you know he I believe he still had what was it Joe two years left on that contract. 
um, at yeah. BU. So, you know, this there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, like, stuff that goes on behind closed doors. And, you know, like, I think I think your assumption of, of the timeline is kind of dead on. I, I would imagine that's how things unfolded. But, you know, here... You I'm know, always dead on. We're supposed to hear the confirmation of this by Tuesday. Uh, so, which is, I'm sure, the day this goes out. So, yeah, it's... Uh, it's the Rangers' next head coach is maybe not the guy that you know a lot of a lot of folks, including you and I, were kind of crossing our fingers for. But you know, this seems like a guy that the front office wants. Uh, he brings you know a certain skill set and a you know you know what is it like? A, he's personable. He's able to connect with players. He's he's shown and you that's know, what an everybody care said for his players. Yeah. That's what everybody has said. Very personable guy, gets and involves himself in his players. He cares. Wants yeah. them to do better, wants them to be better. And and I don't think we had that with A V. And the only point that I want to make is I'm because there's so many people who just they love to they love to troll. I was a huge Keefe supporter. I think a lot of people were because it's easy to draw the line from Keefe to what the Rangers are doing. And hey, like, listen, this is something that makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, I was, I was big on Keefe um, too. He was my guy. That does not mean that every other coach is a failure. No. That does not mean that it's inherent disappointment. But that, all of that said, you can be underwhelmed with Quinn. You can not love aspects of Quinn's coaching. There are definitely risks here. Uh, I, the same people who are like, well, everybody's so negative. New York Twitter, they hate everybody. Who's gonna? They're, they're the same people who do the things that make everybody negative. You're the same people. If you're already taking guesses at who's gonna turn on the coach, if you're already saying, oh, these guys, they hate him. It's not Keith. They, 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 you're just. What are you doing? You're just sowing the seeds of discord. That's all it is. I Quinn was not my first choice. Quinn might not have been my second choice. It was definitely Keefe, and then Montgomery and Quinn were probably on similar tiers. Um, doing a little bit more research on Quinn, I actually might like Quinn a little bit more than Montgomery, just because Montgomery, Quinn has taken a, a sort of a full evolution to the analytics side of things. Montgomery has just started making that transition, but that doesn't mean that he's a bad coach, but it's okay to say, hi, I wish it was someone else. There's nothing wrong with that, but just because it's not your guy doesn't mean it's an automatic failure. That's all. You can play both sides of the coin on that one. And I do think one of the major benefits to having Quinn, and and Jeff talked about this in his interview, is the fact that you you don't have to be perfect next year or the year after. You have time to figure it out. Mike, is your hand raised again for another reason? No, not at all. No, that was the last time? It was just, I'll unraise it. I didn't realize I had to do that. Patreon.com slash Panther. Banter. Panther. Anthony Viola, John J. Porter, Alex Gardner, John Reppy, Johnny Alo, Eric Cohn, Alexander Ricard, Daniel DeGen, Matt Bader, 50, Guy from Montana, Stink Fleeman, Mike Offit, Trevor Kepner, Gabriel Vargas, Dan Carosi, David L. Singer, Andre Chicagoff, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Scott Potash, Chris Habibi, James Dangles, Danny Santiago, Grumpy Smokey, Igor Zatlovsky, Thomas Osa, Chris B., and Michael Silvers. Thank you all for donating. You guys are the best. You guys would be our first candidates for coach thing. Outside of ourselves. I don't know, but I wouldn't trust myself to coach a goddamn peewee team. Um, I don't know. I think it'd be an okay coach. Uh, big thanks to uh, Jake Reiser and... Uh, Jeff Cox for coming on to the show. We really appreciate it. Um, thank you for giving some insight on uh, David Quinn. And um, yeah, the next time we do this podcast for next week, we uh, 
we'll have a new head coach of the New York Rangers, presumably, unless something goes horribly wrong. That's a, that's a fun thing, right? Yeah, well, you know what? I've said it before, I'll say it again. Even if you don't like the Quinn hire, you have to like the fact that the Rangers went in a totally different direction and that they're bringing in a new voice. And I will say it again. Even if he was not your first choice, there are reasons to be really excited about David Quinn. That's fair. Even acknowledging the shortcomings that Quinn has and things that are like very big shortcomings, may I add. The lack of a power play, again, an assistant coach can help him there. Needing an assistant coach to help him get through the X's and the O's, those are not small shortcomings. Even with all that, you should be excited that the Rangers are at the very least moving in a new direction. And I do think Quinn having a year to figure everything out is going to make this much better. Yeah, and how how often have we seen in history, by the way, just like a... Like a coaching change, regardless of whether or not you know it was a superior coach or whatever, it just it changed things, and and that's what a locker room needed. And there's enough, like a, we said at the top of the show, there's ten guys on the current roster with uh, experience in the NCAA, and you know among them are guys you know like like Hayes and Shattenkirk, you know guys who are going to be in all in all likelihood a big part of this team moving forward. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens, particularly, Joe, with the defense and guys like Bianc, because... Well, let's be honest about that, yeah. too. The defense is something that everybody talked about being a major strength of his. Yeah, and that's a huge weakness of the Rangers, to, and that's what he does. Right. That's By all accounts, that's what he does best, is work with defenders and, and bring out bring out the most in, in D-men. So, yeah, yeah, I like it. Absolutely. And, and let's talk about one other thing. BU is as hockey royalty as it gets in the NCAA. It's in Boston. It's, you know, it's part of the bean pot. It, it, there's a million different reasons why Quinn is totally capable of handling the pressures of New York. I get it. NHL and NCAA are on two different levels, but B, there's no more hockey royalty than BU. So I just want that said too. You think he's under a microscope? He's going to be under a microscope here. He was under a microscope there. I'm not saying BU's the top of the top, but they're hockey royalty in the NCAA. So, Michael, anything else you want to add? Nope. I'm good. No, me neither. It's it's a, well. Thank a you all for listening. To think that uh, yeah. there's a new new coach and all. You know, and I I want to know Joe because I imagine this is what we talk about a lot next. And you know, in the coming weeks, is who the hell is going to be his assistants? What's going to happen? Yeah, we're going to have to figure. Because it's that an out. entire. Staff. I asked Jeff that question, and uh, Jeff said that uh, he didn't think anybody from BU was going to come with him. That's interesting. But um, there's well, somebody, uh, one of the guys had been with the team for like 15 years, and um, the other assistant is actually the uh, front runner to get the head coaching job. So yeah, why would you leave? But Larry Brooks, I think, said that Quinn is going to want somebody close to him to take yeah, over. Yeah, that's what Brooks so he he said. He needs some familiarity, too, and that's fine. And listen, I don't know what's going to happen with Ruff. Maybe the Rangers move Ruff into a new position. Maybe the Rangers... I don't think Ruff would be the worst choice in the world as, like, a power play guy, right? Or the... He had some great offensive years with with Dallas, just not the defense. Yeah, or the off-the-bench off coach watching from the press box guy. Right. Um, to to yeah. be the, the old grizzled veteran for those coaches' meetings and to just, you know... That kid can't skate for crap. And then, you know, you, you, you calm him down. You give him a sarsaparilla or whatever he needs. <laughs> you give him right, you yeah. just you give him a cigar yeah. and you just pat him on the head for a little give bit. Give him a bag, you, you a brown on. paper bag filled with jerky. And you just say, it's yeah. okay, Lindy. It's yeah. okay. That's the end of it. Yeah. 
where are all these Russians from? You just have some it's more, <laughs> have some more sarsaparilla and some more jerky, and yeah, just just take another bite of that. There you go. It's good. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll be good to go. Thanks, everybody. Adios, amigos. Bye bye.